0: to the State of the Outdoors podcast, where we tell you straight what's going on at the local, state, and federal level that impacts our outdoor heritage. Our intent is to inform and empower sportsmen and women to get involved and be part of the process. We'll try not to editorialize or sensationalize the issues of the day. My partner in this venture is none other than our 4th District Commissioner for the Kentucky Chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. And today... We are listening to the Social Distancing Guidelines and doing this podcast via phone. Brother Ben Bishop, what's up? What have you been doing?
1: Um, First, probably, I guess, is just staying safe, going along with the social distancing, but I'm still a quote-unquote essential worker, so I'm still out and about in the public realm. But uh, not a whole lot, just uh, getting ready for turkey season here coming up in a couple weeks, and with uh with my baseball season being uh ended prematurely uh it'll leave me a little bit more time to be out there hunting uh what about yourself
0: yeah yeah that high school baseball coaching thing just got stomped on by COVID 19 didn't it all over it yep Yep. that's terrible um yeah right before this hit man the um the last day for the state uh, legislature both the house and the senate to um Turn bill requests into bills. Hit once those were all put into the system, uh, over 500 of the dagum things, um, and I got done reviewing them all. I decided to just pop smoke and head to Key Largo. I threw my kayak and my bike on the roof of the truck, grabbed my hammock and some and some chow and some uh and a couple of beers and a solar generator to make power, you know, and just went down there and camped and fished for a couple of days um was really good got cut short by a cold front um hard to fish you know bigger salt water when the wind's blowing and it's a little chilly so and then uh and then last weekend got out and did a little coyote hunting um you know a lot of not a lot but a few of my buddies are are cattle farmers cattle ranchers whatever you call them and uh Mm -hmm. I had one friend um, lose a couple calves to – he's got four packs of coyotes on, on the – he's got a big, big farm, but he's got about four packs of coyotes there. And and then, oh, um, uh, you know, of course, the whitetails are going to start <laughs> dropping their fawns soon. So it's just a good time to thin out coyotes. And, and uh, we, we did okay. We got one. I made a nice long-range shot. So there you go. Uh-huh. Um, but that's good about tail. it. The white bass are getting ready to run, so I might, might get out and, you know, still – adhering to social distancing, <laughs> but, but, uh, all
1: fishing a good way to do
0: that. Hell yeah. Um, you know, so first you and I talked about for this podcast, you know, is we want to encourage everybody to get outside and do things, not just your to-do list at the house. That's a great, great thing to do and not just a to-do list on the farm. I mean, you know, Ben and I have talked and I've already blazed through my spring to-do list and I'm into the summer to-do list. <laughs> um Mm -hmm. but it's just a great time to get out and you know especially if you've got family members that are stuck indoors with you it's a good time to get them out you know and and you're going to be stuck in there with them so social distancing at the house is really you know mocks nicks it's isolate your family from other families but you know Mm -hmm. you can you can really get out and enjoy uh, the great outdoors with those same people right now um yeah absolutely so, uh, you and I talked about the first thing we cover this, uh, podcast for this very unique situation we're all in due to COVID-19 is, uh, closures and, uh, what's been closed yeah. and, and what's trending to be closed. Cause a lot of people I think are heading out of doors and thinking, well, it's outdoors, it's open. Well, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. the truth. So, uh, you, you had some national right. closures that you wanted to talk about?
1: Uh, yeah, I don't have uh, any specifically, but, um basically just saying you know check on the websites it's I've looked on you know the national parks website and stuff they have every, every closure itemized for each park you know whether it's a certain section of it or not but yeah if you're, if you're planning on going out to National Forest National Park somewhere somewhere like that check the websites before you go because even a couple of days ago I saw somebody on one of my social media pages say they drove all the way from Lexington to the gorge only to realize it was shut down.
0: Yeah, so. that's a bad one, man. The, the uh, U.S. Forest Service has closed the entire Red River Gorge. Yep. All, all parks, all trails, all all streams. It's Yeah. And, and that's good advice, man, to check those websites. I know, um, you know, I stay plugged in to the western states because this is the time of year that I'm submitting my permits and applications. And, you know, I get alerts from those states where I apply. Most of the states I'm applying for trophy mill deer or, or you know, bighorn sheep. But I get the up, I get the updates for everything. And uh, Washington State closed their turkey season. Um, I know they're getting hit hard. Seattle's one of the epicenters for this, but they closed the entire turkey season, man. And that's that's or excuse me, they closed the youth season. And it looks like they're going to close the whole season.
1: Is that for residents as well?
0: Yeah, for everybody. They closed the youth season, wow. and it looks like they're going to close the whole season. So that's that's really really sad. And then uh, Colorado sent out an alert you know, to all of us that hold Colorado licenses every year. Cause some of these States, you got to buy a license just to apply, which is another thing our state should do to drive revenue. We don't yep. require people to buy a license just to apply. I think we should require them to buy a license to apply, but that's another podcast. Um, but Colorado doesn't have a fish and wildlife. They have a parks and wildlife. So um, yeah. they're, they, they not only have everything open that all their parks are open The what they've closed is the visitor centers and the facilities of those parks. So, um, you know, circling back to your advice, that's exactly what you want to do. Is uh, you know, check the website, do some research before you leave the house. I mean, it's it's a little ris- yep. little bit risky to leave the house anyway, so don't don't do it just for nothing. Um, oh,
1: yeah, exactly. I said, and everything everything on the national parks website, it's all itemized.
0: Yeah, so, so they can pull it, it up. It's by. easy to
1: find out.
0: Yeah. Sweet. So. I'll go into the state closures. Um, you know, turkey season is really the perfect season to get outdoors in this mess. And I say that because, you know, turkeys can't smell. And thank God they can't smell. You'd have to shoot them 500 yards away with a rifle. Um, yeah, Because they yeah. dang sure see and hear as good as anything out there. But, you know, you can you can leave the house, you know, with somebody that – or, or go by yourself. You know, leave the house with somebody that you care about and take them turkey hunting – and then, you know, gas pump, use your hand sanitizer. And that stuff smells flowery or, or, or medicine-y usually, but it don't matter. Turkeys can't smell it. And you're going to spray yourself down with bug spray anyway. So exactly. So you could leave the house, get some gas, turkey hunt, go home, hopefully bring home some groceries if you get one. So it's a really good time to, to go out yourself or spend some time with the family. And, and um, so the Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife Resources on their uh, – uh, FWKY.gov website um, says emphatically on top of the website: the fishing and hunting for 2020 is still open per statewide seasons and regulations, and uh, all their open air sites such as public lakes, streams, and WMAs (wildlife management areas) remain open. What is closed is state offices and facilities. Um, you can still get a hold of the department uh, through their 1-800 number or their info center. Uh, at ky.gov for assistance, but their facilities and offices are closed. There's still people working there, skeleton crew. Um, Like you said, uh, U.S. Forest Service, which is uh, www.fs.usda.gov, they're changing things daily. Um, But really the biggest closers are just like you said in in the – Daniel Boone National Forest, and, and the ranger districts down there. So the Cumberland District, the London District, the Stearns District, the Redbird Districts all have different closures. So check that out. Um, Land Between the Lakes has its own website, um, and they're really hit and miss with what's open and what's closed. Um, you, the uh, uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, you know, that has uh, uh, Clark's River, uh, says that all their open air sites are still open, but the visitor centers and facilities are closed. Um, Fort Knox, which, you know, most folks forget is public hunting. You just got to do a little paperwork. Um, has not closed their turkey season yet. Um, they're kind of being restrictive with who can get on base and who can't get on base uh, meaning if, if you've traveled, they're asking you not to come on base, and if you have any symptoms, they're asking you not to come on base. But it's currently open. Knox is currently open for fishing and scouting, and they're asking people to hold off on buying their turkey tags um, until the just prior to the season openings. And, and I talked to the um, hunt control office down there and asked them why that was, and they said, well, we just don't want to have to refund everybody. So if everybody just waits to buy, everybody just waits to buy their turkey permit down here, for this season, you know, get all your other paperwork done, but wait to buy your permit, and that just saves them the, the pain of, of refunding it. Now, here's the here's the yeah. one I didn't expect. I did not expect this. But it makes sense, you know, me being an Ar- Army officer, I can explain why this makes sense, but Fort Campbell's closed uh, to hunting. And it it's really because the 101st Airborne Division, which is headquartered at Fort Campbell, is a strategic asset to the nation, and they can't have – they got to take more precautions than, say, Fort Knox, which has really just got administrative and headquarters units on it. Um, mm-hmm. They got to keep the 101st Airborne Division healthy in case we need them. So yeah. it, it makes sense uh, that Campbell closed turkey season, but I know that breaks the heart of a lot of people down there in, in uh, Southwest Kentucky. So, yeah. Um, Understandable. It is. Uh, yeah. But your advice to check the websites and, and look things up before you go out is spot on um everybody needs to do that uh so in these unprecedented times we figured we'd start off with the closures that we knew about and, and give some folks some advice on on uh, knowing before you're going so uh yes. what what national issues are, are hot and heavy right now brother
1: uh, a lot of stuff i feel has been put on the back burner for now uh you know, understandably but um uh, at the beginning of this month um uh, we had uh Senators uh, Joe Manchin out of West Virginia, uh, Gardner out of Colorado, Warner out of Virginia, Danes out of Montana, and Heinrich out of New Mexico, oh, and also Portman out of Ohio, uh, file the Great American Outdoors Act, or otherwise known as Senate Bill 3422. And uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fully fund the LWCF, Land and Water Conservation Fund, through 2025. And also, along with the uh, National Park maintenance backlogs, it's also going to include uh, money for agencies for public land management and the maintenance backlogs that they have as well. And so it's going to provide the $1.9 billion annually through 2025. And the breakdown of the numbers here, 70% of, those, of that is going to go to the National Park Service, 15% to the Forest Service five percent to the u.s fish and wildlife service five percent to the bureau of land management and five percent to the bureau of indian education and so that's uh, that's a win for hunters fishermen outdoorsmen everywhere so that's uh that's about all we've got with that and you can go to the Hunters and anglers, uh, org or backcountryhunters.org and go to the take action tab and uh and check that out, and let your uh, let your legislators know how you feel.
0: Yeah, and for and for everybody that's new to what the Land and Water Conservation Fund is and does, um, it's always been funded with royalties from offshore um, oil and gas production. So it's it is not really coming from the federal general fund. It's it's a <laughs> circular funding mechanism where we fund Land and water conservation in the United States using royalties from offshore energy production, which is, I think, a fabulous model. But LWCF wasn't always funded. It was, you know, and in fact, the the bill itself had to be renewed every, uh, I think, five years. So now we've Mm -hmm. got the bill permanent, and now we're going to get funding for five years. Things are really looking up.
1: Right. Yeah. Yes, we'll keep, keep our eye on that, but uh, national issues go, that's about, it. That's about all I've got uh, right on. for uh, this episode. So, right on. on to you for uh, state stuff.
0: Man, I wish I had less to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, just before COVID-19 hit, we were talking about the uh, March 21st Fish and Wildlife Commission meeting and what was going to be on the agenda there, which is kind of one of the main things that we started this podcast to do. Because the Department of Fish and Wildlife Resources still has their meetings uh, on Monday or Friday mornings at 8.30 uh, a.m. So, you know, regular folk really can't get to it. But they're talking about changing the – they are changing the format, and they're talking about changing even location and time. So maybe in the future people would be able to uh, uh, attend them without having to take a day off of work or sick leave or something. But, you know, it's our job, and we said we'd do it, is report on what was going on with those meetings. Um, and of course, due to COVID-19, the March 21st meeting got canceled. Well, something shocking happened, um, at least to those of us who were paying attention to all this stuff, which is, you know, really the leaders of the conservation organizations in the state, not just you and me. Um, <laughs> and of course, leaders of sportsmen's groups as well, um, Governor Andy Bashir sent a letter, um, the president of the senate and the speaker of the house in here in kentucky and said that he was voiding the reappointment of dr carl Kleinard, the ninth district fish and wildlife commissioner and the chairman of the wildlife commission and he was voiding the reappointment of mr paul horn who is the seventh district fish and wildlife uh, commissioner and so two of our fish and wildlife resources commission commissioners from the 7th and the 9th District, which are both Eastern Kentucky, um, Dr. Carl Clonard, who is actually the chair of that commission, and Mr. Paul Horn of the 7th, who works diligently for his people. And, you know, it came to a shock for people like, you know, us and for leaders of other conservation organizations and sportsmen's groups in the state because Dr. Clonard's newly appointed chairman and has been doing a good job. I mean, everybody's really been appreciative of things he's tried to do in just his first year in that job. And no one can question whether or not Paul Horn works hard for the people of the 7th District. If you have gone to these meetings, like I have for a number of years, uh, Mr. Horn, Mr. Kleinard, excuse me, Mr. Horn and Dr. Kleinard are really two uh, of the better of our nine commissioners. So started doing a little investigation, and uh, what's this circle back to? It circles back to the nefarious actions of Governor Bevan and Secretary Don Parkinson it turns out that those two gentlemen appointed seven Republicans to our nine-member commission there's law out there that says that uh, the, that limits the party of the commissioners to ensure it is a bipartisan commission so seven is too too many yet they went ahead and did it so, what actually the inside baseball, the backstory to the appointments is Governor Bevan and Secretary Parkinson interviewed uh, a bunch of, well, Governor Bevin didn't. I'm sure Parkinson did. Um, and I can say that with general certainty. But we believe that uh, Secretary Parkinson and Governor Bevan uh, basically cherry picked and put seven Republicans on the commission and then turned around. And after they appointed them, asked two of them to change their party. So, yeah. I got you. So Governor Bashir and his team went back and looked at not what their party is today, because as it stands today, the the board is balanced as it's as it's supposed to be under law. But mm-hmm. um, our new governor went back and looked at um, their actual applications, and so their applications have too too many. Um, Republicans, and so instead of, you know, coming up with some kind of witch hunt or coming up with some kind of, um, you know, method to figure out which two Republicans to pull, he just pulled the reappointments of the last two who were reappointed. So it was, you know, timing and convenience of which two. So it didn't matter that Dr. Kleinard and Mr. Horn are doing a good job and they're two of our best commissioners. It was just you know, expedient and the timing of it allowed him to pull that. So, right. um, you know, because the board's balanced now, they're, it's balanced, it's bipartisan now because two of them changed their party. Um, there's been some talk of going to the attorney general to get him uh, to make a ruling. And so that's on hold. Um, I'm sure they're working on it a little bit, but there's bigger fish to fry right now. So that's what's going on with our commission, but having talked to a bunch of people, here's the rumor, and this is just, you know, straight rumor, but it makes sense. What it looks like the governor would want to do, and really honestly every governor before him has done this, is to try to put a majority of his own party on every board and every commission. That's really same song, second verse, you know, every every governor tries to do that. And so the first step in, um, you know, putting folks on the commission uh, who are a majority of the Democratic Party would be to, you know, make sure that there wasn't anything procedural or there wasn't anything, you know, administrative that got them to this majority of Republicans now. And it turns out there was. So that's what's going to get kind of batted around. um, And we'll see how that all falls out. Uh, but you know, there's no supposition on my part or our part that this really happened. I've seen the letter from the governor actually have a copy of the letter from the governor, um, that was sent to the, uh, president of the Senate and the speaker of the house saying that he was voiding the reappointments of Dr. Kleinert and Mr. Horn. So, uh, there's big trouble in little China, as they say, uh, on our, on our commission. Yeah. Um, so, uh. Time to pivot to legislation. Um, you know, uh, we watch closely all the legislation that goes on in the state legislature um, that's germane to our hunting, fishing, trapping, and boating heritage, and we try to keep everybody informed on that. Um, so let's, let's just, I'll just real quick run these down as, as efficiently as we can. So um, we previously reported um, uh, earlier in the uh, start of the January legislative session this year that uh, there were five gun control bills uh, coming out of the House and one coming out of the Senate. Um, I can report to everybody that those have not made it out of their very first committee. So they've not had their first reading. They've not made it to the floor. And, in fact, those six gun control bills, five in the House, one in the Senate, have not made it through the very first step. And now that we're into April, basically the only thing that's going on is debating and voting. Everything has to get to the governor's desk by the end of the month. Um, for the deadline for him to either sign it or let it sit. And for those who don't know, the governor has three options. Once a bill hits his desk, he can sign it, which makes it law. He can leave it sit on his desk for 10 days and it becomes law de facto, even though he didn't sign it, which is a mild form of protest on his part, meaning he doesn't really approve of that bill, but he's not going to veto it. Um, and then the third thing he could do is veto it. So, um, Looks like those six gun control bills are going to sit right where they're at and not move at all. Um, Unfortunately, House Bill 52, which would improve and expand coyote hunting, um, allowing centerfire rifles at night and some other uh, really necessary things to allow uh, more and more liberal coyote hunting, um, has not even moved out of committee. And for anybody that's tracking the biology of coyotes, um, they are – getting to the point of being saturated they're getting to the point of being too many in their environment in fact if anybody wants to know how bad coyote populations in this country are getting just google chicago coyote the city of chicago and coyote and you'll see that they're even living um, not in the suburbs they're living in downtown chicago and, and a couple people got bit in the last year too so it's a it's a it's a saturation point on coyotes and what we tried to do with this bill um, was improve and expand coyote hunting, but unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to move. Um,
1: yeah, with the uh, with the Chicago thing, the uh, Kentucky Field podcast they covered that briefly. Did uh, they? Yeah, a couple episodes back.
0: Yeah. Oh man. I, um, yeah. So for anybody Ep- that listen- an episode on uh, fur bears. Yeah. Oh, okay. For anybody that listens to Chad Miles um, and watches uh, Kentucky Field TV show, they also have a podcast. So. You might want to scroll through their podcast if you're really interested in Coyote. Thanks, Ben, and and pick up on that. So shout out to Chad and his his podcast there. Um, House Bill 334 uh, is a clean air, clean water, and uh, environment bill that would put a referendum on the next ballot in Kentucky um, to allow the citizens of the state, which is all, you know, this is just legal procedure. The only way to amend the Constitution really is, is to put it, Um, in the next general election um, as a referendum to the people. But if that made it um, through our legislature, the people of Kentucky would see uh, a possible amendment making it um, a right in the state of Kentucky for all Kentuckians to have clean air, clean water, and a clean outdoor environment. That uh, potential uh, referendum and amendment to our Constitution has not made it out of committee either. And probably the one that everybody's paying attention to more than any other, since the gun bills really haven't moved much, is House Bill 352. And that's the budget bill. Um, You know, for anybody that doesn't understand the process, very quickly the budget um, comes out of the governor's office and goes to the House Budget Committee. That's procedural. And then the chair of the House Budget Committee turns the governor's budget into a bill. And that's how it starts in our legislature and then has to get uh, amended and debated in the house and then passed out of the house and over to the Senate. So where we're at right now is the governor's budget bill. um, As far as uh, outdoors men and women are concerned, um, the governor proposed removing $11 million over two years from the fish and wildlife budget by pulling voter registration monies and every outdoor and sportsmen and women conservation group in the state opposed that uh, money coming out of fish and wildlife because that would be eight percent of the Department of Fish and Wildlife Resources budget over the next two years. And while eight percent is a big number, it doesn't sound like a crippling number until you understand that the Department of Fish and Wildlife's um, what we call discretionary budget. So there's a lot of things the department has to pay for. A lot of them is a lot of its personnel costs. Um, and, the, and the associated cost of personnel, not just their salaries, but their health insurance and, and their you know, retirement and all that. But that is n- you know, non-discretionary spending. And then, of course, the department also has equipment that has to be taken care of and facilities that have to be taken care of. So that's also non-discretionary spending. So basically, out of the department's entire budget, only about 20% is discretionary. So that's the 20% of their budget the department can use to do good things for hunters, fishers, boaters, trappers, wildlife watchers. And when you pull 8%, you're now down to 12% of their budget, which allows them to do anything that's discretionary. So, um, you know, that would have been a huge, huge hit. So thank you to um, the House Budget Committee and our legislators in the House because they put that $11 million back into the budget when they passed it out of the House and sent it over to the Senate. And the Senate has had their first markup on it, and we're expecting a vote on the budget this week, and the Senate left that $11 million in the budget. And it may be that due to the COVID-19 scare that the state, for the first time ever, passes only a one-year budget. Generally speaking, the state works on a two-year cycle, and every other legislative session is a budget or an appropriations session. So this was supposed to be a year where they passed a two-year budget. They may only pass a one-year budget. Regardless, the Senate put that money from that the governor was trying to steal back into the Department of Fish and Wildlife Resources. And so it looks like the total budget coming out of the Senate amendment for the Department of Fish and Wildlife is going to be $49,254,600 in what is called restricted funds, meaning it's not general fund money. That was money that was paid by sportsmen through hunting and fishing licenses, et cetera, into the department when we purchased it. And that stays in the department. It goes to the state treasury, but it goes into the department's accounts that are held in the treasury. So that restricted money we're going to get to keep. And we pretty much have to, because if we didn't get to keep that, I keep saying we, because it's our department and I don't, I don't own it, but our department gets to keep that. Um, if they didn't get to keep that, if, the state tried to take some of that restricted monies, then that could in fact impact our ability to get our Pittman, Robertson and Dingle Johnson excise tax. So in addition to the 49 million 254,600, we're additionally looking at the department getting what looks like nineteen million four hundred and twenty three thousand nine hundred in excise taxes from Pittman, Robertson and Dingle Johnson, which is also and women's money. So ladies and gentlemen, the department appears to be getting out of the Senate, uh, markup 68,678,500. If we get that, then your department of fish and wildlife is fully functioning for at least the next year, which is a win. I don't have a laugh track or an applause track to play, but that's a win. Um, uh, house bill 369 was a very hurried and ill-advised bill, um, that, would change the way our taxidermists and deer processors could um, dispose of cervids. So deer, moose, elk, and caribou carcasses. And, and it made sense in a CWD-positive environment, which we are not yet in. Um, but it would take effect immediately, meaning our, our taxidermists and our processors were not going to be able, um, to, um, adjust, you know, right now, a lot of them use rendering and a lot of them, um, have other ways to dispose of them, but, uh, House Bill 369 was only going to allow, uh, burying them like five feet deep with carcass with lime inside every single carcass and, or sending them to an approved landfill where that would have put a bunch of small operators out of business. And the recommendation was wait until we're in a CWD positive environment to change that or amend it to put rendering back in to allow them, the ones that are using rendering, to still use it. Um, and then the Senate, bless the Senate, uh, the Senate amended when the House Bill 369 got passed out of, uh, very hurriedly passed out of uh, the House, um, the Senate uh, marked it up and amended it to include rendering. So that's a good thing. Uh, Moving on to um, House Bill uh, 485, uh, this was a much-needed bill to update and make more stringent and costly the penalties for poaching. Um, that has moved out of committee, but it's still in the House. Uh, we really need that to get passed. If, if folks out there, um, we'll tell you how to get involved here in a minute, but if uh, you're taking notes or you're paying attention, um, you know, House Bill 485, if you wanted to get involved and do some research on that, the easiest way to get involved and do research on state bills is at the Kentucky Anna Safari Club website, which is www.kysci-lac.com. Kysci-lac.com. Click on the legislation tab, scroll down, and, and everything is pretty much linked right there. You can read about it, and you can, you can uh, go through it and hit the links so that you can send a note to your legislators and tell you what you support and what you don't. But back to House Bill 485, um, you know, we've had instances in the past year where people were caught poaching down at Peabody WMA in West Kentucky. And th- the guy that got caught poaching down there was from Alabama and they quoted him in the paper saying the reason he didn't buy a hunting fishing license and his deer permit was because they were more expensive than the penalties are getting caught. That's how, that's how antiquated <laughs> our, our poaching penalties and poaching fines are. So house bill 485 is a very much needed update um, to our uh, poaching penalties uh, in the state. And, and so if anybody out there wants to do the research and really get plugged in and, and, an easy, an easy one for you to take, action and feel like you're part of the process and do your part as a as a Kentuckian is to is to support House Bill 45. We really need to do that. Um, And then final bill that's germane um, to uh, sportsmen and women out there is House Bill 511 uh, which improves and expands game meat donation. Um, That has moved out of committee uh, but it is still in the House and uh, this is another one that people could get behind because this bill improves the ability of not just sportsmen and women, but agricultural extension uh, offices to uh, donate properly sourced and properly butchered game meat to uh, soup kitchens, homeless shelters, and food pantries. So 5 is another good bill uh, to get behind. And I feel like I just ran a sprint or a marathon talking about legislation. Ooh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what a it is of stuff.
0: Yeah, it is. And, and in... Uh, you know, and, and I, I, I would be remiss, I think we would be remiss if we didn't thank our legislator, legislators. Um, you know, we quite often demonize our politicians because they're not doing what we want. You know, we get mad. You're not doing what we want. But let me tell you something. They're still working right now, folks. Um, and although the Capitol's shut down and our legislature is shut down to outside visitors, even though that's the people's house, um, in a COVID-19 environment, that's probably a smart move and um you know our legislators are still working to get these things through and the end of the session is coming up here at the end of the month so thank them for for still doing what they do um so uh that's pretty much it in in the rundown um you know this podcast usually goes a little bit longer because we have more to talk about at the federal level and 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 we have some notes from the fish and wildlife commission but uh, federal levels focused on COVID-19, and uh, appropriately so. And the Fish and Wildlife Commission uh, did not meet, and is, they're trying to figure out how to maybe meet virtually, but then it wouldn't be a public meeting. So they really are struggling with how to do that. Any final yeah. thoughts, bro? Uh,
1: I did see where uh, President Trump said gun stores are considered essential, so they'll be open.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up. I am so glad you brought that up. It wasn't in my notes to talk about, but, you know, most folks know I follow the law, especially when it comes to hunting, fishing, shooting, boating, trapping. Um, The governor, there is a law on the books in the state of Kentucky. It is 39A.100, so 39A.100. It is the emergency powers of the governor, um, and that is what that law talks about. There are multiple sections in that law that say the governor cannot confiscate firearms, ammunition, or components thereof. He can, in in an emergency situation, confiscate things like fuel um, and other commodities, but he he cannot confiscate firearms, ammunition, and components thereof. And then there's another section, subparagraph of that law, that says the governor cannot shut down um, firearms, ammunition, and components thereof sales now there's that's a little nuance that he can't shut down the sale of those things because um, in kentucky those are considered essential commodities just like food and liquor um so anyway um i'm glad you brought that up if anybody wants to research that you can also research that that's a tab on the um Kentucky and Safari Club Legislative Affairs website as well at www.kysci-lac.com. Um, they've got a uh, link to the governor's emergency powers as it relates to firearms out there as well. Um, yeah, that just hit today. Forbes magazine sent out an article on the yeah on yep. on Trump's position on that.
1: No, no, we talked earlier. Uh, was it, I guess last last week maybe. When I was talking about I've seen a, a Kentucky gun company over in bargetown where they made they made themselves a drive-through gun store where they had where they had three lanes set up for <clears throat> for guns and ammunition so they'll find a way that's yeah. for sure there they're keeping with the social distancing and shutting down the inside part of the store but you can still go through the drive-through
0: you know what's funny man is um, these guys don't sponsor us but I'll throw a plug-in anyway uh Kentucky Gun Company is probably the best retailer in the commonwealth for firearms. I, I don't want to throw shade or, or or you know there's some other places I really really like um uh but they do a great job down there and it's does not surprise me that um that they they immediately innovated to keep their doors open um yeah. you know Gun World uh, uh up in Corden. Is also a fabulous facility. Um they actually actually now that King's Archery closed in Louisville, Gun Gun World, you really need good bow work done. It's a drive, but man, they are they are really, really good. Um, the other thing that you and I talked about, um in our past conversations that has come up a lot lately is the the whole green decoy um uh, issue. And so Yes um, we're we're for those of you who have been wondering what the green decoy thing is, have heard of it, who basically want to know the, the details, um, we're going to go into exceptional detail on that. That's not new news. That's old news. That, that's a 2017-18 thing that just won't die. Um, you're more than welcome to go ahead and Google it, whatever. But um, it's something that, uh, that we're probably going to cover on the next podcast, uh, finishing up our research there's some there's some deep-dive drill-down that you got to do on that because it involves some, some really ugly politics. But if you're interested in, interested in what a green decoy is, uh, go ahead and Google it and look it up. But uh, Ben and I are going to talk about that uh, at length next time. You got anything else, partner?
1: I think that about covers it for me.
0: Okay. Well, um you know you and I are going to keep our social distance and I hope this is the very last podcast we have to do by phone unless you know one of us is in Alaska and the other one's in the in the uh you know Montana back country but uh <laughs> if if, uh, if uh, people want to work on and or um support anything going on in conservation at the federal level one of the best places to do your research and pay attention is at Backcountry Hunters and Anglers website, which is www.backcountryhunters, all one word, .org, www.backcountryhunters.org. Go to the Action tab and hit it, and you'll be able to read about everything that's going on at the national level, um, and in Canada, too, um, because this is a uh, multinational organization, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers is, is, is uh, all of North America and um, uh, you can research and take action with a few clicks uh, of your mouse on any national level conservation issue or uh, national level um, legislation that's going on in the state really the the champion of that's been kentucky and safari club and i've given out that website a couple of times um, so we do have one sponsor and that's walter my man walter over over at louisville toppers um You know, Walter's done a bunch of great work for me in the past. I know Ben was talking about maybe heading over there and getting a few things done. Um, Those guys really do great stuff to help your, uh, you know, whatever kind of truck you're driving, whether it's an SUV or pickup or whatever. Uh, If you need something done, upfitting, you know, you need a tono cover, you need a camper cap, you know, uh, you need a light bar or a bull bar or or, uh, step bars or running boards, whatever it is you need for your vehicle. Walter at Louisville Toppers is the man to see. I've been working with him for over 10 years. I trust him with every vehicle I've ever owned. Um, Those guys are at 4040, 4040 Preston Highway in Louisville. And you can check them out on the uh, Internet at www.LouisvilleToppers.com. That's all one word, Louisville, and then Toppers, T-O-P-P-E-R-S.com um yeah if ben and i screwed anything up or there's something else that you guys want to talk about or there's something else you want us to address you can reach out to us um uh, my email address uh, is ranger r-a-n-g-e-r at the slow the slow hunt all one word ranger at the slow hunt.com. tell us what we screwed up uh, if there's something you want us to cover, there's something you're wondering about, we'll communicate with you via email. And Ben, what's your uh, email?
1: Uh, did you ever did you ever get mine set up?
0: I did, buddy. It's Bishop. Remember Bishop at so, theslowhunt.com. We're so we're so popular. I, I don't
1: that. think I've checked that email once. I need to get on
0: that. We're so popular, nobody emails <laughs> us. <laughs> but just in case they wanted to, that's yeah, you're Bishop. Yes. Oh, it's a slow hunt, which okay. is kind of cool, man. At slow yeah. yeah, man. If we were still, if I was still a high-speed military unit, I'd just give you that as your call sign. Even though it's your last name, that's, you know, it's pretty cool. I've, I've
1: had plenty of people in my life just call me by that name,
0: so. There you go. That's good. Well, I appreciate you, brother. Um, appreciate all you do and for BHA and for our partnership in this podcast. And uh, for everybody out there, this podcast is part of the Slow Hunt LLC network. And remember... Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. See you next time.